you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Welcome to the NFL Legends Podcast, an NFL podcast for the players, by the players. Here is your host, 14-year NFL veteran and Hall of Famer, Aeneas Williams. Hello and welcome to the NFL Legends Podcast. I am Aeneas Williams, and today we're telling draft stories that cover diverse experiences from successful legends. And I have a couple of them. Two Hall of Fame legends with radically different stories about draft day and the expectations that went along with it. First, we have Orlando Pace from the Ohio State University, who was uh, just this little scrappy draft pick, barely made it through the first <laughs> round. That's right, the first number one overall draft pick. That's right, my former teammate. Uh, started the greatest show on turf, and I later joined him in St. Louis. And then we have this guy named John Randall that I must say, talked the whole game, who went undrafted out of the University of Texas. That's right, not, not Austin, Texas, at Kingsville in 1990, but still made it to Canton, Ohio. Welcome, guys. So glad to have you. Thank you for sitting down talking to us about the draft. All right, so give our players and legends an idea of the difference. Take us through each, each of your draft days. What was it like? John, come on with it. Uh, draft day was, uh, you know, I think back then, back then, it was like, what, three days, three or four days, whatever it was. It was sitting around, you know, waiting for the phone to ring. Uh, so I was sitting there 
waiting. Cell phone? Uh, no, no cell okay. phone no right cell phone. The house phone right. Just checking, just checking. No, no, no. You're at the house phone, <laughs> big yellow phone, sitting there waiting. Nobody called first day. Okay, but who's in the house? We got to set the tone, man. Who's nobody, there? just me. By yourself? I'm myself, man. Interesting. Yeah, because this, this journey, basically, this dude is my journey. This is something where, for me, I was saying that I wanted to try to play in the National Football League. I didn't really set out to do that, but I said, my brother played, you know what? I want to give it uh, a try. I remember when I ran my 40, I ran my 40, the grass probably was about, felt like, man, like three feet high, because you couldn't even see your shoe. Uh, Say that again. So, so guys like I won't call their name, Orlando Pace, who've never experienced <laughs> high grass, but go yeah, ahead. Just that grass is so tall. Inside, yeah, you can ask. There's a scout here, here at the combine. We'll run into him. We'll ask him about. It. He was there. He goes, man, you remember running that comp at that forty? I go, yeah. He goes, man, that grass was so tall, we couldn't even see his shoe. <laughs> I go, what did I run? He goes, I think he ran like a four eight, something like that. I'm like, okay, that you know, no, it was back in the day. It was a long, slow process, but it was a process uh, that I went through on my own. You know, I sat around the whole day watching TV, you know, turn TV on, watch, watch uh, him talking about it. Nobody called. Every once in a while, you check the phone, make sure the phone is working. Where is everybody? Man, nobody, nobody really, I mean, nobody really thought that I was going to make it, you know. Really? Yeah, that's why I said this process always kind of was on my own, something, the journey I went down, because... And I'm coming out of Vision II school. I'm undersized. I'm only 6'2. I'm 240. You know, I'm not the typical uh, defensive lineman back then. Everybody wanted you to be 6'5, 6'6. You had Reggie was 6'5, six, six, and, and then you had uh, like Reggie Clyde, White. Yeah, Reggie, Reggie White. White. Yes. Clyde Simmons. Man, you had these guys that were just, uh, just huge. In weight, or they were like 275 on up. And I'm coming in at 240, 6'2, Division II school, and they were like, you know, you're undersized. Nobody really thinks that you're going to be the guy that somebody's going to take a chance on. So I sat around for three days, man, waiting for somebody to call me. And as soon as the draft was over with, I got a call from the rest, and it was like, hey, um, think about making you a linebacker. And I was like, nah, I'm not a linebacker. I'm a defense lineman. They was, kind of laughed at the end of the phone call, you know, doing the phone call. But so nobody's drafting you. Now they talking about putting you in linebacker. Mm -hmm. You're a defensive tackle. Yeah. And just, I'm like, nah. 240 pounds. 240 pounds. And so. It, Which it, to them all makes sense. This yeah. guy too small. Yeah. So from that standpoint, it wasn't going to happen. So my brother was playing at Tampa, Tampa Bay. I went down had there. Your had your brother been drafted? Yeah, my brother got agent? drafted. Yeah, my brother got drafted in the third round for Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So this is like the late 80s. So I go down to Tampa, and they were trying to make me a linebacker. You had Broderick Thomas down there, and you had another uh, linebacker who's from Alabama. And they were like, yeah, you could be Mike linebacker. We could put you on like, like a little practice squad. And I'm like, nah, I'm not a linebacker. I'm a defensive lineman. So then they put me in the meeting room trying to show me that what I was playing against. Guys two nine, you know, two hundred and ninety pounds. Right. They were six two, one guy six three. I'm like, man, I'm still a defensive lineman. And and all of a sudden they were showing me the fronts, which they had they had a three man front and they were basically running to me, their defense up front 
was, you know, he had a Lex, had a, a Lex on the left with the left hand and a Lynn for the right hand. And they'd be like, yeah, this take you like two days to figure this out. I'm like, man, left hand is Lex, right hand is Lynn. Okay, what else we need? Right. And so all of a sudden, you know, if, if you run a Lynn, that's the inside guy going first. If it's a Lex, I mean, uh, outside guy's going first. In is Lex. Then if you go Lynn, that's inside guy. Rex, outside in going first. And Ren, inside guy going first. I'm like, okay, I got this. And they were like, nah, it's just not going to work out. So I leave there and uh, go down to the Atlanta So Falcons. you still haven't signed? No. These are teams you're visiting? Yep, team visiting. So, so hold that thought. I want to go through the teams as you're going through this process because you, mm -hmm. you, you, you're talking about a free agent experience, yeah. which is very unique to Orlando's experience. You know, Orlando's sitting there, I'm, he's hearing Randall talk about uh, high grass. I went to the Southern University <laughs> and here Orlando, first pick in the draft. Mm -hmm. Yeah. First question I want to know is, were you in New York? I was in New York. Uh, is it, my, my story's a little different than John's, wow, obviously. Little, just a little, little different. Little, just a little different. Little. Uh, yeah. Y'all can't see my hands right now. I mean, it's like from how far is the north is from <laughs> yeah, I'm the south, south right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, actually. But, uh, but give me this real quick. What, what goes through your mind as you hear John? Like, man, that's, you know, it, even hear that story, like, man, I didn't realize, you know. I know guys that waited a couple of days, but just going through the process of visiting teams and being a free agent and, and kind of, that whole experience is, is different. It, it's really respect to him to be a Hall of Famer, to, to start off that, that his journey that way by in the, in the house by himself and then end up being a Hall of Famer, man. That's, that's incredible, man. Thanks. So uh, so that, who all was in New York with you? So for me, my draft day kind of, you, know, you know, obviously I, I was projected to go number one pick. So I flew my entire family out there. So mom, dad, you know, sister, aunts, uncles. So we, we're out there having a good time. I, I think I yeah I started yeah. I started off in the league in a hole just just for based off that experience, but it, it the funny thing about it when I think about draft day, it really started off in, in panic for me, and the reason I say that is, obviously you got tailors making suits for you and all these different things and I'm a big guy, so this happening in New York in New York draft day morning, my, so you got a whirlwind I got a whirlwind and, and you know I'm worried about getting drafted, so my my tailor shipped my suit to me, but he didn't have a shirt. So I'm like, I can't walk out. I don't have a shirt. And I'm a big guy in New York. So I'm like, somebody needs to, I need to go find me oh, a, a 3X talk. A football player who has to have helmet, shoulder pads, <laughs> jersey, pants. Right. Your tailor makes a suit yep. and does not send the shirt. Does not send the shirt. So you are in New York, going to be the first player <laughs> drafted, and you are thinking about a shirt. A shirt. I, you know, obviously I'm sitting there because, you know, obviously everybody want to kind of be clean yeah, walking yeah, on yeah. stage. Yeah. Like, I, I've envisioned this whole thing my entire career. Well, like, oh, you're an office alignment. What are I you know, talking still, about, I just man? want to look up, like, yeah, I'm going to be the first pick. You want to look good? I'm going to be the first pick. I need to get good. my shirt. First round pick, man. Office alignment. So, yeah, but, uh, and I'm like, dude, I'm running around New York for like, somebody, I had a guy running around New York for like two hours trying to find a shirt that fits me. So, they, it was a little bit of panic there, a little disarray, but, uh, you know, we ended up working it out. It worked out, and uh, so so sitting in the green room there in New York, you know, obviously being the first pick, and you hear kind of hear rumblings, and a week before that, I had talked to Coach Dick Vermeil. He said, "Hey, we're gonna take you with the number one pick," but that was the last time I heard from him. So you're sitting in that green room, and and, and they use the entire clock. So in my head, I'm sitting there thinking, Are so they you still don't select me? 
No, I, I, I don't know. So I mean, don't get me wrong. Fifteen minutes compared to your two yeah. days is a little different. Sure, but, but you're still. I'm like, oh, hold up. Are they going to are they gonna make a trade? Are they going to do something different? And then, uh, and then obviously they made that pick with the number one pick. And it was a great. It was a goal of mine, and everybody kind of rushed the stage, and it was really a dream come true for me. Did you cry? You know what? The funny thing, I think I cried. I had an opportunity that night before. And me and my mom was in the hotel room. We had a wow. chance to reflect yeah. a little bit. And she just couldn't believe it. Obviously, your parents are emotional. Yeah. And uh, she couldn't believe it. And it was just kind of, it was an emotional time for us all because we knew where we came from. Uh -huh. And now all of a sudden, to be the first pick in the draft was, was a special time for us. So from that standpoint, sharing that moment with family was awesome for me. Wow. Yeah. So you hear your name called. Yep. You go up to the podium. The commissioner was it? Paul Tagliabue. It was Paul at yeah, the time, it was, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Paul Tagliabue. Yeah, yeah. So as you walk on that platform, right, with Paul, with that number one jersey on, yeah, what are you thinking on the stage? Wow. And I'm looking out, and you see all these flashing cameras. And and was, all, the draft was still in New York. New York. Time, it was right? in New York. Yeah. yeah. So you see all these 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 cameras, and, and you like, you, you, you're a little bit in awe. You're like, man, this is really happening. And you shaking his hand, and you're. We didn't do the hugs like they do now at the right. draft day, but uh, you know, obviously, he's like, "Oh yeah, lift up your cap." So, yeah, say, did they give so you they a cap? See, yeah, they gave you a cap. I was a little worried. I'm like, "Dude, does this cap go fit?" <laughs> I know when I watch the draft, I see the first guy. I'm like, "Is this cap going to fit?" Because I know. <laughs> I'm like, "Who's in charge of these caps?" That's what I'm saying. Like, y'all know I'm gonna get drafted before. Make sure y'all make some adjustments That's up crazy, here, man. man. But John is hoping to get a call. This man thinking about who the hell, dude? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So, so that's my draft that's experience. Wild, and then, uh, obviously, after you after you meet the commissioner, for me, it was a whirlwind from that point on. Because then, you know, you do your interviews, and then and then they put you on. The, and then obviously, St. Louis wanted to see me. You know, as soon as they could. So we get on a, a flight and head to St. Louis. And uh, you know, they roll out the red carpet. Obviously, oh, you that part. They yeah. put you on a flight? Yeah, put you it, on, you know, flight. on a jet? See, that? See, I'm, I know they do private jets now. I was on a commercial flight. It was like, hey, we got a 4 o'clock flight. You can make it. So, But it was first class. And I was like, perfect. This works. But, uh, wow. they, you know, obviously I get off the plane. Didn't have to go through the airport. You know, they had a limo waiting there for me. Wow. And then, you know, go to the facility. And, Ooh, and, and, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, so it was a, it was a pretty cool experience. Wow. So, yeah. Dang. Yeah. Yo, John, getting back to you, you started saying this already. So much our rookie experience, how we treat it, mm -hmm. it stems from, you know, teams and how they invest in us. So yeah. you, you started off telling us about your visits, where they were even trying to figure out oh. what position you are going to play. Tell us, real quick, how you ended up in Minnesota. Okay. So I worked out, I went and worked out for Tampa, and then, uh, so my journey continued on to Atlanta Falcons with Jerry Glanville. It's one of the assistant coaches. It's like 11 o'clock in the morning in Atlanta, and he's got me out there running around doing all kinds of stuff. He's got me running a mile, then he got me backpedaling. He's got me going up the hill, down the hill. And all of a sudden, he just goes, he gets done. I'm like, we stop. He goes, and I'm, I've been working out every day, seven days a week. And he goes, you're out of shape. I'm like, what? <laughs> Man, I just ran a mile. You got me back pedaling. I'm like, if this what the National Football League is all about, then yeah, maybe I'm not the right guy for this. I'm sitting there, and I'm all of a sudden, I just go, you know what? Fine. I'm going home. So I go to the airport, and I'm sitting there. I'm waiting for my flight. 
to go back to Texas. And, you know, I had some time to kill, so I grabbed one of those football magazines, and I'm thinking, looking at the magazine going, man, I guess this is where my dream ends at. You know, this is where it's done. I'm just Are not... you still by yourself? Yeah. Because you try teams, bring, I mean, team only going to fly you, nobody else. So I'm sitting looking at the magazine, and I'm going through it, and I'm looking at different defensive linemen. I'm going, man, I belong in the National Football League. I know it. You know, there's a higher power telling me that. So I'm looking at the defensive linemen. Then I go to Minnesota. Minnesota had the smallest defensive line. They had uh, Henry Thomas, Chris Dolman. Dolman was like 265. Henry Thomas was 260. Al Noga was like 255. And I'm 240. And I'm like, I can make this team. I can make this team. I call my agent and I go, hey, is Minnesota interested? He goes, yeah, Minnesota's one of the team. I go, man, I want to go to Minnesota. I change my ticket. I go to Minnesota. I get there that night at like 8 o'clock at night. I'm leaving Atlanta. It's hot. And I just, when I left school, uh, Kingsville, it was like palm trees. It was a beautiful day. I land in Minnesota. It's nighttime. It's snowing. I'm in the hotel room looking out the window going, oh, my God. Is this the right decision? And right then and there, I go, yeah, it is. This is part of my journey. Now, Atlanta, yours is different, coming from a big school, first pick. Different pressure. John is trying to select the, the right team and obviously got to make a team. Mm -hmm. Right. But yours, tell us about the different pressure that comes from the expectations. Wow. <clears throat> so being an offensive lineman, being selected number one pick, normally fan bases are looking for, you know, you know, quarterbacks to change, to help change their franchise around. So the pressure of going number one, uh, like, hey, is, can an offensive lineman really change our fortune? Like, the Rams have probably won an average of two or three games a year prior to. Second worst team of the decade of the 90s. Of the yeah. 90s, absolutely. So yeah. obvi obviously, a couple years prior, the team had just moved from L.A. to St. Louis. And uh, obviously, they were looking for a winner. Uh, Coach Vermeil had just got there. They had drafted Lawrence Phillips the year before. And they're like, dude, why are they getting this offensive line? But Tony Banks had been getting beat up at the time. So, you know, that was a gamble for Dick Vermeil to draft me number one from that standpoint because everybody wants that big-name quarterback to come in and replace. But, you know, obviously I was, I was one of those key pieces that kind of that they brought in and they drafted well during free agency, bringing Marshall Falk and all these different guys in. But, but that, that, the expectations to be, you know, for me, to be the number one pick was big because everybody's looking. You know, I've done – I had a great college career, so everybody's looking – for those same results and, and, and that. So the microscope's on you. How good is this kid? Is he gonna be what he was in college? But you know, that was, and I put a lot of pressure on myself at the time too, but it was very different from winning, you know, 10 games a year to that first year, I think we won three games. Wow. And you start looking like, man, hold on, is this the league? Like I would, like we would lose a game in college and it's almost like the world ended. And I hear guys, you, you probably experienced this when you first walk in the league, that national people are like, they lose a game, they get beat by 30, guys in the locker room talk about, hey, where are we hanging out tonight? I'm like, dude, hanging out? I'm yeah, devastated. I'm devastated off these losses. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So, but, you know, obviously that was a big difference. But, uh, you, know, uh, you know, it was a great time for, you know, we developed that, some chemistry over the next couple of years and, and ended up winning the championship. And, and maybe I'm not remembering this, Orlando, the big elephant in the room. Did you sign right away? 
Oh, here we got it. That's I, I noticed he didn't bring this up as a rookie. No, I didn't bring that up. He, he did not bring this absolutely. up just for the legends that are listening absolutely. to this. Yeah. We got a big elephant in the room. Absolutely. Got a I, know. Absolutely. I was going to bring it up. Exactly. Well, we I, did. I, knew, I knew Orlando through the Poston Brothers. Yeah, absolutely. I knew, I knew the Poston Brothers more, his agent, than I knew about Orlando. <laughs> so exactly. I, so, uh, very quick, I'm glad you brought that up, Anir. So, as, a, as a, I'm 21 at the time, and you learn so much about business, right? Because you think you're just going to, you get drafted, you walk into yeah, a situation. Tell us about that part. And then all of a sudden you're like, hey, I'm the number one pick. Let's, you know, let's get this deal done. You think it's going to be a very simple yeah. process. Hey, you guys wanted me. You drafted me number one. Hey, let's open up the, you know, the, the, let's, bring, let's back in the Brinks truck a little bit. And let's get this thing done. And, and, and that's when business kind of hit you in the face. Like, hold on, there's some things we got to work out here and iron out here. And being a young kid, you kind of, you, obviously, you want to get the most you can get. And then my agents were all about that, the Poston brothers. And, and the Rams weren't so much about that. So sure. That, you know, well, it was negotiations. It was negotiations. Right. So we're going back and forth. It, I probably held out three weeks. So I didn't but come But how did you last. deal with that? All tough. of a sudden now, man, first pick, you ready to get rolling. We had the dream. Mom and I crying in yeah, New York. Absolutely, right? absolutely. I'm going to get my money. Absolutely. And all of a sudden, like, three weeks? Yeah, so... so it's funny because the more you, I'm the last guy to sign in the first round, right? So you, I'm seeing all my buddies getting these contracts and getting these deals. Wow. And I can remember calling my agent saying, just get the deal done. I'm tired of this. Just get it done. I'm tired of holding out. I want to play football. And he was like, no, hold on, hold on. We're really close. We're really close. Three weeks later, I don't get to camp. So it was one of those things where it's like, man, the pressure, because I was going through, all right, I want to I wanna, I wanna get this big contract. And then all of a sudden it was, all right, I would just want to play football because right. the pressure's like, okay, where's Orlando Pace? He's just, and then all of a sudden the deal didn't get done. And, he's and supposed to be changing the future. He's supposed to change the future. The so, where's I, he at? so I walk into St. Louis and it was kind of bittersweet. I think some people were happy to see me, but there was a lot of fans sure. and, and the organization was like, dude, like you just wasted, almost wasted your rookie year based on the fact you missed the entire training camp. Wow. So, you know, wow. you, go in, you go into that situation. So I didn't know if people liked me, if they didn't like me, or what happened. Cause, you know, so just the psychology, what we were talking about earlier, is yeah. all of a sudden you're dealing with a psychology where most people think, man, you're first picking a draft. Oh, yeah. Ain't nothing on your mind. And oh, all yeah. of a sudden now you're introduced to the business. Oh, yeah. Then you got fans who yeah. bittersweet, or the, man, who's this dude? Or right? the locker room. So you walk into the locker room and you see all these vets and they're yeah. like, dude, what is this dude about? Can he play? Can he not wow. play? Why is he holding out? And then you start making more money than other guys. You gotta, and then you got to come in and really show your worth or prove your yeah. worth. Because wow. guys are, all, and I've probably done that too. Like, man, is he really that good? How is he? Can he play? Right. But you got to earn your respect when you walk in that locker room because yeah. guys are looking at you yeah. like you're making big money. Now let's see if you can play. You know, one of the things that, that Orlando told me in a prior conversation was uh, his coach, Jim Hannafin. And why don't you share with the legends what Jim told you? Well, yeah, it was a couple of things. So when I, the, the great thing, and I owe a lot to, to Coach Hannafin and what he's done for me. Which is your D-line coach. Which O-line coach, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so, sorry, so, O-line. Yeah, so, O-line. so what happened is, uh, so first of all, when I came in, it was, he, he was probably the most, uh, well, he helped me out the most. So the simple fact, he said, hey, I know you, you've done great things in college. I'm not going to put you on the, on the field until you're absolutely ready. So I didn't start until my seventh game in the, in the National Football League because he's like, hey, you know. The first overall pick? I yeah. didn't know that. So it was a little – you had to be patient because it was almost like learning how to ride the bike again. Like yeah. in, in college, you're physically stronger than everybody. But then in the league, you got to have some technique. Yep. You got to learn technique. Yeah. So he said, hey, 
you know, I don't care what the, the news media says, we're gonna put you out there when you're absolutely ready. Once we got into that process, he said, hey, if you're not in the Hall of Fame by the time your career's over, then, you know, it's nobody's fault but your own. Wow, that's, that's really good, because, you know, some coaches could have just fed you to the wolves. Yeah, absolutely. So you probably can see how sometimes even high picks yeah. Yeah. end up yeah. short careers because someone not knowing how to manage it early. Absolutely. Like. Yeah. Yeah. So that's exactly what he said. Coach Ramil was on. Oh, wisdom. They were man. all on board. Uh, they were like, hey, we're going to get this guy ready. We're, gonna th we're not just going to throw him out there week one and see what he can do. So You good. know, ironically, here's the joking part. So I, I'm drafted third round. So I'm in, I'm in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting. I could have gone from first to five. So I'm sitting the family all around. We in New Orleans, 17 War Holly Grove, baby. We having fun. <laughs> <laughs> so don't get my name called. Don't hear it until the second day, which was the second, uh, the third round, starting the third round. And um, and remember uh, the Cardinals. And the Cardinals, ironically, was the only team that said they they probably wouldn't draft me. They're one of their scouts, and they end up drafting. Never heard of Phoenix. Like man, I'm being drafted. I didn't care just to get the opportunity. And what made me bring my story up is you hold, you held out three weeks. I'm a third-round draft pick. I held out. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I, didn't know. I didn't know that. I held out for two weeks, man. I held out for two weeks. Hold up. Coming out of Southern Coming University. Coming out of the Southern University. The Southern yeah. Yeah. I didn't see that. I, didn't on that, on that. I, didn't, I was watching that story on you, Yeah, I, I didn't hear that. I held out two weeks, out. man. And then uh, I ended up starting from day one when I wow. got there, yeah. So they're probably but thinking. It was, it was crazy. The funny thing I wanted to ask you guys, is there anything um, that guys early in their careers you could recommend to, to help alleviate the unnecessary pressure? It's already going to be to perform and, and play, but is there anything you could say to guys that early in their careers that could possibly alleviate what I call the unnecessary uh, pressure? I'd, I'd say for a young guy to um, just, when you, it, when you are a player, it's just, Focus on being a player, not focus on, I mean, they try to tell you about, you know, the media and this and all that. If you just go out and do your part of playing football, everything else will take care of itself. And, not, you know, and just that part of it. Because I think when a young guy comes in there, he's trying to pay attention to so much stuff that he gets caught up in all that and he loses focus on what the agenda. And your, your main agenda is to play football and, and be the best football player you can be. Not try to focus on Twitter or all this other stuff. Just focus on being a player your first year and do that. Don't try to hang out with the veteran guys. Just you as a young guy, go to work. Put in all the time you need to do to do your job. And to close with you, Orlando, when I think about the shirt in New York, the yeah. hat. Right, right. Yeah. Holding out right. the posters, everybody. Right. How did you finally get to get to doing what you needed to do as a player to be successful? Wow. Um, I think it, to piggyback a little bit what John said is, is just be be a pro. You know, learn, yeah. understand. This isn't college anymore. This is this is actually your job. This is your dream. This mm -hmm. is what you really want to focus on in life. And and I always I always tried to gravitate, when I walked into a locker room, tried to gravitate to somebody, a mentor, somebody who's doing it right. And for me, Isaac Bruce was one of those guys 
where you looked the way he worked. And, and he's very quiet, I, you know that, but the way he worked, like, dude, that, he's a true professional. Yeah. And then you got you to gotta try to figure out during the, the course of that locker room atmosphere, you know, who's that guy, who yeah. can you get behind. And then you got, you got to earn those, you got to be, earn that respect in the locker room. You don't come in and try to be disruptive. You try to come in and be a key piece of that and just do your job by, by how hard you work. I think that's the key. That's the key. Well, you guys have heard it, man. Thank you for this incredible podcast. We've learned some more about each other. So glad. And, yeah. and matter of fact, any legends want to read up on the Poston Brothers <laughs> and Orlando Pay Saga? I don't care more about you guys' contract. <laughs> you, guys had, <laughs> you guys had these contracts. I, I probably had to, like, they gave me a contract. They was just like, hey, this side. You know. <laughs> hey, I learned some valuable information today about it. Aeneas is giving me trouble about holding out for uh, you. Dude. I had no idea he held out. No, I had no idea. I, he held out. Out. I saw Aeneas. I saw, I saw Aeneas story. Uh, man, what's, what was your degree in? Like uh, accounting. Yeah. He's an accountant. <laughs> Let me close out this podcast. Hey, man, y'all, we having so much fun. We trying to go overtime, man. <laughs> this 5Q, this your boy, Nias Williams. It's been great. Thank you, John. Thank you, Orlando. Hey, thank you guys for listening to this podcast. This has been the NFL Legends Podcast. To provide feedback or request a topic for discussion, email us at NFLLegends at NFL.com. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. 
Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.